Please listen carefully. Um, anyway, so it basically. <laughs> Get all of them there. <laughs> Throw in them essentially and we're good to go. Pack it up. I'm Christina. I'm Natasha. And I'm Stephanie. And this week our theme is adaptations. And what that means is we're each going to talk about a book, movie, and a television show that is all based on something else. So that could be a movie that was based on a book, a television show that was based on a musical, or even a book that was based on a previous short story. And we may even counter the controversial statement that the book is always better. So I have a question for you guys. Do you guys always try to read the book before watching the movie or the TV show? I actually don't do that. I prefer to watch the movie first and then read the book afterwards. Partly because I do think that a lot of the times you're going to think that the book is better. Because you can sort of make up the way certain interactions go in your head the way that you want to hear them. So when you go to see a movie and somebody does it differently, you're not going to be happy. But if you watch the movie first, you don't come with all that baggage. And more importantly, I cannot fucking remember names. Like, not at all. So it is really helpful to have an actor's face in my head and attach that person. So when I get to the end of the book and I'm like, mm, who's Brad true. again? I can look back and be like, ah, oh, yeah, that guy. That's true. Um, personally, I do say that I'm going to read before I watch something, but that doesn't always happen. Uh, I try to stick to it, but the thing is, I'm always trying to capture that feeling that I had from when I read Harry Potter for the first time and I had my own idea of things. And I want that same feeling where I've imagined a character and I can compare them in person. But obviously that doesn't always happen. Uh, But sometimes it's coincidental. Like I read all of Game of Thrones before I actually happened to watch the first season of the show and then I gave up. So, yeah. Gave up watching Game of Thrones? Yeah. uh, The first season. Well, I mean, like, I still think you could have stuck in for longer. However, season seven in, I'm like, yeah, you made the right choice. Yeah, I know. It's going to get interesting later. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I mean, I hear enough from other people that I'm like, that didn't even happen in the books. Well, obviously. Well, yeah. Anyway, my point is, (laughs) if I discovered the movie first, I'm not going to read the book. But if I discovered the book first, I will see the movie because I'm invested in it. I mean, sometimes I also try to reread things before I watch them, which I may discuss later. Okay. Spoilers. Um, and then one point that I'm going to make about this is that one thing we sort of all agreed to at the beginning was that the adaptation had to be better or there was something about it that we found more enjoyable than the source material. Um, otherwise, this whole episode would have been a wash. We could have just talked about the original stuff. Because everything's an adaptation of something. Yes, because it's 2017 and nobody has original ideas anymore. It's true. So, Steph, what's your fucking book? Uh, so, I picked a book I haven't read. Of course. Because yeah, I classic. don't even have the ability to be surprised anymore. Classic Steph. Spoiler alert, we're re-recording, so I'm not actually surprised, but I wasn't surprised the first time we did this either. But didn't we sound smooth? <laughs> what great actresses they both are. So, I picked, the book I picked, as, as you may have noticed, if you listen to our other, earlier episodes, I describe Pride and Prejudice as my number one five fave things. So that is why I picked Pride and Prejudice and Mistletoe by <laughs> Melissa Delacruz. Okay. Uh, and I have enjoyed many adaptations over the years, such as Eligible, which is a book by Curtis Steinfeld, and then the Liz- Lizzie Bennett Diaries on YouTube that I think came out in 2011, I want to 
say? Yeah, it was a while ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago. But the reason I picked this book is because it's a gender-bent spin on Pride and Prejudice. The female is Darcy Fitzwilliam. She's 29. She's beautiful, successful, and brilliant. She dates hedge funders, basketball stars, and is never without her three cell phones. But she's never (laughs) fallen in love. Never has time for anyone else's drama and never goes home for Christmas, if she can help it. But when her mother falls ill, she comes home to Pemberley, Ohio, which I really hope is a real place, to spend time with her dad and little brother, where she meets dun-dun-dun, Luke Bennett. 32. Oh my god. Never left home. Is a carpenter and makes beautiful furniture and is, is happy. Is Jesus? This is a Hallmark movie. He's happy with his simple life. Oh my god, Maybe it, it will be a Hormone. Oh my god. Was Wait. He gender bent Pride and Prejudice. Did you, you say just make a Hallmark movie? Did you say this was Melissa Dela Cruz? Yeah. As in Witches of East End? Mm, yeah. She yeah. wrote that. She Maybe the Hallmark movie is in the pipeline for oh next year. Oh my god. Uh. And then also I read an interview. Darcy's handsome best friend, Bingley Charles, is falling for Luke's <laughs> brother, Jim. Oh, classic Jim. Which I think, that's an accurate accurate name for a Jane, is Jim. Jim. Uh, Excuse me, John. No, John's too, like, there's something going on with John. Jim is like, meh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, so I hope this is good. It has the makings of a great, as you said, Hallmark movie. And hopefully book. <laughs> But its rating is 3.0 on Goodreads, which is worrisome to me. Also, um, I'd like to step it again, because I didn't mention this last time. Three cell phones. What does this bitch do? She's a she successful lady. Cell she says she's a hedge fund person. She Even... dates hedge funders. Okay, she dates them. Oh, she's dating multiple men. Oh, she had a phone for dude? Yeah. She's like, this is not... No, it explains... It's one for work, one for play, and one to throw at her assistant. No, listen. But I... to throw at her assistant! Yeah. And just kidding, it says... Okay, sure. But then why would she need the third one if it's not it's to throw, to throw at her assistant? So she must be like a hot shot something. Oh my god. What's, who's the supermodel who did that? Who threw a phone so at Naomi somebody? Campbell? Oh, wow. Did she really? Somebody threw a phone at somebody. She's wild. <laughs> Wildin. I mean... Wild. So... Like, we can't talk about this too much. You didn't fucking read I it. I didn't read it, but I'm hoping it's great. I mean, those Goodreads ratings are not accurate. I find that they are. Mm, you're wrong. But you're, <laughs> I guess we'll, but well, you're I, gonna read this 3.0 book. Yeah, exactly. Like I, but I wouldn't normally. I just that the tagline has got me, got me right in there. Okay. Okay, so my rating for something I haven't read it yet is 8 hopeful Darcy social anxieties oh out of 10 Elizabeth Cut directs. Thank you. And I'm out. <laughs> if you have for some reason read this fucking book, please. And you rated it more than three on Goodreads, let me know. <laughs> or two. Let us know if she's right. Or let us know if she's wrong. Maybe the book is garbage and you shouldn't bother. Yeah. Probably no Wall of Winnipeg. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even get me started on that. I, Nat, it's your turn. Okay. Nat, it's your turn. <laughs> I'm gonna go. God. Go. So, anybody who knows me knows that. My number one favorite classic book is Jane Eyre. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, okay, well, now you know. So What's your book name? My book is Jane Steele by Lindsay Fay. So technically, I don't love this book way more than Jane Eyre. I love aspects of it, obviously. Um, and the main reason why I love Jane Steele so much is because it brings in a totally different aspect to the classic novel. And that's revenge. And revenge is one of my favorite themes of all time. So. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> if you knew Nat personally, you would know that would be true because she spends all of her time plotting. That's very true. Or stalking. 
people. Yeah. So the tagline of this book is, uh, reader, I murdered him. So right off the bat, you know everything you need to know about this book. It's all, it's... <laughs> Do you? Yeah. Well, Like, it you, sounds great, but is that everything I need to know? You know that it has murder, and you know that it's written in a very similar style to Jane Eyre. So Jane Eyre is narrated at the reader, and Jane Steele is done the same way. The difference is... In Jane Steele, it's not actual, like, a real retelling of Jane Eyre because she's aware of Jane Eyre. So Jane Eyre is an actual fiction book in her time. And so she compares herself to Jane Eyre all the time, and there's all these parallels. uh, But she acknowledges that she's not the same at all because she has something dark going on in her history. So the story starts with Jane Steele as a young child, and she has this French mother, which right off the bat is different from Jane Eyre. She lives on this property that's owned by her late father, and her aunt lives in the big manor, and she and her mother live in the cottage. Right away, you find out that her aunt hates her and her mother, and they're having fights all the time, and nothing is going right. And she's quite young at this point, and she has very dark, deep, adult-like thoughts going on. How old is she? She's probably around... I want to say around 10 or something like that. Like, she's aware of things, but she's not like, know what's going on. Mm -hmm. After her mother dies in, like, the first part of the book, she and her cousin get into a bit of a fight where he actually tries to sexually assault her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so she shoves him in defense, and he falls down into, like, this, like, rocky pit area and dies. They're going to say a well. (laughs) To a well. (laughs) Then he comes back and it's like the ring. (laughs) See, that's not murder anymore. That's suicide. He did that to himself. (laughs) Wow. I mean, they, did they have police back with there? Probably not doing big investigations like SUV. I'm just about to get into this. <laughs> just about to get into this. So the police come by. Oh, pardon. <laughs> and they start questioning her and she's able to like sort of cover up. So she's smart enough that she's like, oh, he, we were playing hide and seek and he, and then I found him like this. Her aunt is a fucking bitch. Previous to her actually killing her cousin, her aunt wanted to send her off to this, like, nunnery school or something like that. And she was like, absolutely not. She's not leaving her property. This is her place when she's of age. But as soon as she kills her cousin, she's like, "Mm, I'm gonna go. Yeah, I think I'm gonna leave. I don't want them to catch me. And, right, like, you know right away that that cop is like, "Mm, something doesn't add up here. He looks like he was pushed. But he's like, I don't know. She's an innocent young girl. I don't want to charge her with anything because at that time, if you were charged with murder, it's immediately death. And this is, like, outside of London. So it's, like, it's, like, gothic London. Like a hanging. Yeah, so it would be a hanging, basically. So she goes off to the nunnery school I don't know it's like a boarding school but there's a bunch of nuns as teachers and you can become a nun or not it's a choice convent a convent what it's called I don't know I think that's when you want to be a nun it's definitely a boarding school for sure but it's like led by religious people it's like a catholic high school continue (laughs) yes anyway once she gets there she has a tormentor there as well so her aunt yeah so her aunt and her cousin were her tormentor at home And then she goes there and the headmaster is this perverted, like he is real fucked up and he can't trust men. Nope. And he doesn't like to. So the way he torments the girls by making them butt heads against each other is that they actually get more food or more, more likelihood of being immune to punishment if they find something wrong with any of the other girls. Which is, like, it's insane how he does that. And it's said that girls that go into the school, it's very rare that they survive. Wow. Yeah, like that's... This is some Ezerbet Bathory shit, bros. Right? <laughs> and so 
she spent a lot of years there with her and her best friend who she obviously one of the girls in the group becomes her best friend and she's this mousy little thing like immediately you're like oh my god these two love each other there's gonna be a lesbian relationship excellent I'm into it 100% and so a few years pass by and they end up in danger and they have to leave uh Jane Steele confronts her headmaster he has some incriminating stuff on her she kills him Love it. Yeah, she does. Right off the bat, she's like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> just in for a penny, in for a pound. Stabs, <laughs> stabs him with a letter opener mm-hmm. like and it. just leaves. And she's like, oh, and her friend is like, oh, what happened? And she's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and they just leave. And then they go to London and they make a living there. And Are the they way- in love? So it's kind of hinted at the whole time. Ah, no, this is the same kind of garbage as Ragnarok. Give me lesbians. No, no, no. You what happened in Ragnarok? That who was the lesbian in Ragnarok? I really <laughs> thought the Valkyrie was gonna be a lesbian. She might still be. We don't know yet. I mean, she had that moment with Thor. At best, she's gonna be bi. But at the end of the day, it's a movie. She's gonna be straight. Anyway, anyway that's off topic. So she goes to London with her best friend and her friend finds out about the killings because the people that they're staying with, the husband's really abusive. Eventually, Jane Steele just gets rid of him. Oh my God, she's a serial killer. I love this. Oh yeah, she hits serial killer status at this point. And so her friend finds out and is like, I can't do this. This is so wrong. Fast forward, they've split up separate ways. And then this is where it becomes more like Jane Eyre. She gets a job at the house that she originally grew up as. At as a governess because she has the skill she learned from boarding school and she meets Mr. Thornfield who is so much like Mr. Rochester in that he's got that weird grumpy wry sense of humor but in every other way he's different and what's so unique about the story is that it involves a lot of cultural stuff from India because yeah. he used to work for the East India trading company trading company yeah. <laughs> and so she ends up being the governess for this little Indian girl who loves horses <laughs> and it's really funny and clever and they bring in her whole, like, to quote Dexter, her dark passenger thing about her serial killing and how she f- has fallen in love with Mr. Thornfield, but she can't tell him about her dark passenger. But he also has a dark passenger. I'm making air quotes right here. And essentially the story goes like that. But to go back to the lesbian thing, she does meet that girl again at some point before her she... Bone? She gives her a kiss. But anyway, that is my book. I didn't want to give all of it away, but I gave... Um, there's you, more? You no, no, that's it. That's it. Yeah, you gave all of it away. That's what I'm saying. No. I would like to add another edition. I'd like to add, like, audio adaptations. And for mine, I'm going to pick what you just did. Because that was an adaptation of the book wow. itself. <laughs> okay. So, my rating for Jane Steele is 9 nuns out of 10 secret Rochester wives. Excellent. Really love that book. It's. I mean, it sounds interesting enough. It's real good. Just I like crack the, my voice cracking. I like I like the serial killer aspect. I just feel like I probably don't need to read it at this point. What? Because I gave you too much information? I mean, that was the whole book. No, it was not. What's left? What's his dark passenger? He probably killed someone too. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe they get together and they become a murderer. There's, no, there's like a whole Bonnie other story. I didn't even get into all the Indian stuff. Okay. <laughs> Listen. Christina's turn. Yeah, Christina. Oh my God, finally. I had to listen to so much of this. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. It was all great, obviously. <laughs> so I'm super excited for my book, um, especially because I've been listening to these two talk for an hour now. Mine was like five re-record. minutes. Just because you didn't read the book that you picked. <laughs> I don't see the problem. No one told me I had to. <laughs> where you know what? Where in my contract does it say that I had to have read it? <laughs> I, 
I am going to rewrite those contracts. <laughs> Maybe we'll actually sign something then. I'll get my lawyer to look it over. <laughs> okay, so before I go into what my book actually is, I want to talk, I don't want to talk about what the source material is, but I want everybody to know that I consider this an adaptation where the source material is the Bible. Whoa. Yes, and I'm very excited because I love this book. I think it's super funny. Um, I'm really excited to, like, have a reason to talk about it because I wasn't sure when this would ever come up as, like, a theme except for, I don't know, maybe in parody. So my book is called Lamb, the Gospel According to Biff, Christ's Childhood Pal by Christopher Moore. Oh, yeah. Yes. I like to talk about some, like, weird fucking Mandela effect thing here, like, with the Bernstein Bears, where everybody thought that it was spelt with an E for years, and then somebody one day was like, it's an A. And everybody, there's, like, this thing called the Mandela effect where it's, like, it's some stupid bullshit alternate universe theory. I think more likely everyone got together and completely forgot how something was spelled. This happened to me because I thought the name of this book was Lamb, the Gospel According to Biff. Christ Childhood Pal did not did not enter this title for me whatsoever. So when I go on to Goodreads to get some information, more information about the book, I see this and I'm like, they changed the fucking title? And I see the cover and the cover has it there. And I spent, of my day, 30 minutes looking through online at all the various edition covers to find the edition that just said, <laughs> the gospel according to Biff. Um, and I was like, I know, I'll check my like physical copy when I get home. Except I've lent it to someone years ago and they never gave it back so someone out that there that bitch the fuck them because they have a copy of this book that just says the gospel according to biff i swear to god christ childhood pal that's bullshit that was never in the title <laughs> is that a hard card cover book <laughs> no <laughs> uh, it was actually both versions were in soft cover so there's a regular soft cover and there's a fancy soft cover that looks like a bible <laughs> so it's not your Ooh. fault that you don't have this book oh i do know the fancy soft cover too it's yeah. that black like leather exactly with the gold the L. I don't know man you didn't spend enough time shelving i was cash motherfucker <laughs> so the description you of know this, nothing <laughs> so the description of this book the birth of jesus has been well well chronicled as have his glorious teachings acts and divine sacrifice after his 30th birthday, but no one knows about the early life of the Son of God, the missing years, except Biff, the Messiah's best bud, who has been resurrected <laughs> to tell the story in the divinely hilarious yet heartful work. That's like. Does he talk like a bro? This reminds me of Life of Brian a little bit. It's got, like, it's a Bible parody, so it's gonna yeah. be very similar. And I mean, that's ultimately the crux of it. The story is Biff, he is a friend of Jesus when he's really young. And I, there are probably going to be people who complain and whine that, like, it's making fun of Christianity, whatever. But the book kind of subscribes to the concept that, like, Jesus performed miracles. And, like, maybe it was some kind of weird magic. Maybe it was some kind of twist. But for the most part, there are some things where it's like, Jesus is special. Okay, guys? So anyone who has issues with the book for that reason didn't read it. It is fucking hilarious. It is just about this guy going around talking what it was talking about what it was like to be best friends with like the fucking son of God. And there's one particular one that I'll probably always remember, and it's when Jesus is having an argument with his dad, and he does the like quintessential teenager thing where he's like, "You're not even my real father," because of course his real father is God. <laughs> So it's just oh like, it's so dumb. There are just like these little things here and there that call out to like certain things. As someone who went to a Catholic high school and had like religion from that aspect sort of shoved down your throat, it was so funny to read this, to go through something that like treated it lightly and hardly. And at the end of the day, it's not like it was disrespectful in any way. Yeah. Arguably, I would have preferred if it had been like, 
Jesus just had weird things happen around him that everybody thought were miracles. <laughs> like, that's a story I would have loved. Like, Jesus accidentally gets thrown into this. Um, but it's good. I highly recommend it. I think if you like parodies of any kind, you'd really like this. Christopher Moore is also super funny. I'm going to recommend this one. I think people should really, really read it. And my rating for it is, and I was very excited about this rating, guys. I'm going <laughs> to rate it nine apostles out of 12. Oh. I felt real strongly about that one. <laughs> And I'm keeping it short, unless you guys want to talk about it, but I'm keeping it short. Yeah. Wow. Short okay. and sweet. I didn't think so. But read it, guys. Lamb. The Gospel According to Biff. I should. I think I've read one of his other books. They were all really funny. You Suck is a little bleh, but the other ones yeah, are really funny. I didn't like You Suck. Practical Demon Keeping is good. So, Steph, what's your movie adaptation? This one, Haunted Movies, is really interesting because I find that there is so many fucking movie adaptations. There's so many movie Literally adaptations. no movie at this point isn't an adaptation of something. Yeah. So, like, I was like, I gotta choose something unique. Just put movies <laughs> in a hat and pull one out. Exactly. Well, I was like, oh, I could do the obvious, which is The Hunger Games. Great one. You've been ranting and raving about The Hunger Games for I don't know how and many every, episodes. Everything with murder in it is The Hunger Games, apparently. Is this The Hunger Games? Could be the three Could. of us. <laughs> Who would I be? I'd be Katniss. Is Plot twist for Katniss for the win. Is the mic the place where the re- weapons are? Yeah, I, I guess. just want to be the cornucopia. the cornucopia. Also, could have picked the staple Pride and Prejudice. I could have had a theme. Pride and Prejudice could have been book, movie, and TV show. Oh okay, I was, my god! I, when I get to my TV show, I was actually thinking about that. See, it's see, it's all good. Every category fits for that show, but I didn't pick it. If someone was gonna do Shadowhunters, you also could have done that. Oh, you could have done Shadowhunters. Why didn't you do she it? She told me afterwards, and I was like, I should have picked Shadowhunters as my television show. Listen, I had a different one in mind. It's fine. Okay, so the movie I did pick, and I did read the book before I watched the movie, just want to throw that out there sure. to everyone, is <laughs> The Duff. Oh my Fuck god! It, the Duff! I've read it and <laughs> seen it too. <laughs> Starring Mae Whitman, who is a, a delight. If you if is. you don't know her, she is the best. Uh, Robbie Arnell, fame for the Family Channel TV show Life with Derek. Canadians out there, let me know if you know what I'm talking about. Or the brother Wait, of in, Stephen ML. He yeah. was in Life with Derek? Who was he in Life he with Derek? He was the boyfriend of the sister. <gasps> oh, okay, 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 okay. Bella Thorne is also in this, sadly. That's And then Allison Janey is in this as the mom. So I had recommended this movie to my friend Joanna, being like, you, you've never seen this movie before? It is amazing she's like i don't think so it's a teen movie i'm like uh-uh this is the best teen movie wait, wait to clarify what does the duff stand for the designated ugly fat friend for yes. anyone out there it came out in 2015 it was i think in the past five years one of the better teen movies out there i don't know why it's not as popular as it was maybe it's got a resurgence on netflix <laughs> i'm getting preachy i can see it but it's based on the book by Cody Keplinger. It was published in 2010, and I can picture the cover right now. It's a girl with thick blue eyeshadow blowing Classic. a bubblegum bubble <laughs> at, at the reader. As opposed to a spit bubble. <laughs> As to a spit bubble, you know, keeping it real. And then it turns out the, te- the author was a teenager when she wrote this. So the movie is about frumpy high school senior Bianca, played by Mae Whitman, as I've said, delightful, has a rude awakening when she learns that her classmates secretly know her as the Duff. Designated ugly fat friend to her prettier and more popular pals, desperate to reinvent herself, Bianca enlists the aid of Wesley, a charming jock, in order to save her senior year from becoming a complete disaster. (sighs) But she, like, does not give a shit in the beginning, though. Yeah, she gives zero fucks till she finds out that, oh, 
people think of me this way? I was like, mm, at least in the book I could believe it. You're the designated you ugly fat friend because you're 5'2 instead of 5'4. Also, the one problem I had with the movie, sorry to interrupt, but didn't no. they like humiliate her at one point, which did not happen in the book? So the thing that they bring into the movie is social media because yeah, right, there was yeah, literally yeah. no Instagram in 2010. I think a video circulates yep. about her like having fun with her friend yeah. and then they make it into an awful like public shaming I thought was a good addition to the movie because I'm like, fuck, I don't know what these teens go through nowadays. If Can you imagine <laughs> what your Instagram must have looked like when you're, like, looking back now five years ago? I oh, would be appalled. Oh, my God. Thank I don't God, even want to think about it. Thank God my Facebook albums are private because I would be <laughs> embarrassed. Yep. So that was a good thing I think they incorporated. And, like, in the book, Wesley and Bianca, they hook up casually for basically the whole book until Wesley starts getting feelings for her. But in the movie, they don't get together until the end. But there's a little flirtation there. It's a classic Wall of Winnipeg move. Yeah, except it <laughs> pays out in the end. It's not a shock to anyone listening. Well, you know the second that you start watching it. Yeah, you know what's going to happen. Yeah. And like, hello, the two leads, the chemistry is a flowing. That's all I got to say. It's on Netflix. It's a good time. Everything that was bad about the book is then improved upon in the movie. And it's just a good time. Funny laughs. Everything you want in a teen romance book. And then in the end, it's the beautiful, the beautiful realization that everyone is the death. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> everyone is the death, guys. I mean, is that the beautiful revelation? <laughs> so we're beautiful. all we're all different. We're all somebody's ugly fat friend. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Just like, there's no such well, thing. Who's, who's the original? Who's the OG non- the Nanda? The, who's the OG Nanda? Right? Somebody at some point isn't a This is like the chicken and the egg, man. <laughs> Which came first, being ugly or being a friend? <laughs> I don't know. What's your reading? Wait, have you guys seen this? The movie, yeah. Oh, yeah, you have seen it. Okay. I'm never going to read this book. Don't. I would not recommend it. It takes book. like an hour. No, I don't. No, there's yeah. no reason. I watched no the movie, reason. There which is according no. to Steph is better. Yeah. So I rate this nine Bianca facelicks out of ten Wesley nipple dances because I couldn't <laughs> rest. I couldn't remember what that. What is that called? The chest moving. I don't know. Who cares? Breastus is dancing. Nipple dancing is better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Nat, it's your oh, turn. Oh, dance. Pe- no, peck da- no shh, nipple dancing. <laughs> nipple dancing forever. Okay. Is it my turn? You may go. <laughs> I am done. You've right. got such a great flow right now, guys. Clearly. Um, so my pick is a little bit unusual for me. As you guys know, I don't often like musicals. I'm so excited and I just can't fight it. <gasps> what did you pick? Did you guys pick the same thing? I don't think so. I think we you did. Go, 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 okay. Go. So mine is very unusual. Um, the weird thing about this one is that it's sort of an unrealized off-Broadway stage musical. No. See, I knew it. You nervous I was so concerned because I'm so happy with my movie. Um, And it's an off-Broadway musical that was first done in 1998, and it actually did eventually move to Broadway. Is this Rent? No. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. But it was eventually after the movie actually came out. So the movie came out in 2001, and the movie is Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Oh, okay. That's... 
not surprised to think that's an unusual choice for you. I feel like you would absolutely love I that. I did not yeah. know this was a movie. Uh, yes. Yeah. Where have Arguably, I been? Arguably the movie is more popular <laughs> when than When did the show. this come yeah. out? When did... 2001. Fuck. The album's amazing. The more know. people know of the movie than they know of, sta- know yeah. of the stage play. I actually didn't even know that there was a play before the movie. I thought the play came after the movie because that was the Broadway play after yeah. the movie. The movie... It is actually a rock musical. Yeah, it is. And I love rock musicals. Fuck like, yeah. Yeah. Do you like, like Rock a... of Ages? No. <laughs> the Rock of Ages movie is the worst thing that's ever happened to this world. I don't disagree. I, I like Repo the Genetic Opera. That's good. It is a good My one. musical knowledge is lacking right now. Yes. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. I like obscure things, though. But anyway. I like obscure this isn't, things. This isn't well. really obscure. Okay, cool. Do you want to do you want to fix your straw hat? My straw hat? Yeah, cuz they don't wear for doors anymore. <laughs> I was like, I don't understand, but can I get an avocado, please? <laughs> avocado <laughs> toast with a latte in it? I don't need toast. I just want the avocado. I'm going to eat the seed. <laughs> Tell us about your fucking movie. Okay, fine. So, uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch, it's essentially about Hedwig Robinson. I did not remember her last name, by the way. I was like, who the fuck is Hedwig Robinson? Can you imagine your first name is Hedwig and your last name is Robinson? Yeah, like, I was like, no, that's too weird. It, like, is that a name that's used before Harry Potter existed? Like, Hedwig. <laughs> yeah, it's a yes. German name. Okay. Staff. But yes, Sorry, it's, it's taken it's a, a while. Harry Potter did not <laughs> no, invent Hedwig. <laughs> Harry Potter also did not invent Hermione. <laughs> I am aware. Archie Comics did that. Shakespeare did that, bitch. (laughs) Uh, It starts off with Hedwig following a very famous rock star named Tommy Gnosis, Gnosis, whatever. And she's following his acts everywhere he goes. And she performs there as obviously a less popular act. And you find out that Tommy almost lost his life because she was giving him head during a car ride that they were taking. And then they get into an accident. And he almost loses his life, basically. So she's taking this fame opportunity to talk about her story. And so the whole musical essentially is like a play-by-play of who she is and how she actually knew Tommy. So it starts off, you find out that she was this man named Hansel. Hansel, Hansel. living in East Germany. Um, And she was obsessed with, uh, I think it was like Plato's Origin of Love or something like that, where it talks about how... There's actually three sexes. Everybody, every human has been divided in half. And she becomes obsessed with the idea of a soulmate. And so moves across to West Germany. And she does actually meet somebody, this man. And she's determined to marry him. And But legally to marry a man at the time, I believe you had to be like legally a, a woman. So she seeks help from her mom and is like, well, I need a female name. So she takes her mother's name. Her mother's name was Hedwig. So she becomes Hedwig. Then she decides to go get a sex operation. And this is, she's talking, well, not talking about this, but she's thinking about this. And you find out that she gets a sex operation, but the guy, the surgeon, actually fucks it up, Mm. like, so bad. She has a mound there, but, like, the gash heals up and it's just a mound. Like, there's nothing. Oh. Yeah, it's just, like, a little, like, as you find out, a one-inch mound. (laughs) And there's, like, a little, there's a gash 
or a scar going across it, across it, which she also mentions in the song. I think she quotes it as, um, it looks like a sideways grin or something as the lyrics go, sideways grinning. I don't know. But anyway, so she basically just has like this mound that isn't functional instead of a vagina, which is what she wanted. So she does end up marrying the guy, Luther, and they move to Kansas and they kind of, I know. The perfect place that you <laughs> want to be. The perfect place. That's the first place you would think of. But it kind of influences the style of the music. So it's very like Western rock and roll. And, but it's got that 70s vibe to it. So you get like hints of like Bowie and like all of that. The Bowie. Yeah, a lot of Bowie. Uh, but like almost like immediately her husband leaves her for another man. Hmm. So you're like, holy shit. And to get over that, she forms this rock band called Hedwig and the Angry Inch, where she talks about actually her life. And there's a song called The Angry Inch where she talks about how her vagina is a mound. And she, while in the process, because she's not very successful at this point, she meets a boy named Tommy. Tommy something else. But she renames him Tommy Gnosis, and he becomes that rock star she's following around. Oh. Yeah, so it's all linked up. And you find out that they wrote songs together, and then when Tommy found out... <gasps> yeah, yeah, spoilers. When Tommy finds out that she was not biologically female, he leaves her and becomes uber successful. What a dick. With the songs that they wrote together, and some of the songs that she wrote herself. And he becomes successful. He leaves her, and so now she's in this, like, not-so-successful rock band. It's great. It's a great film. The songs are great. Find out all about her, like, anger. But she kind of releases all that anger in this story that she's telling through her songs. Beautiful. It's a very, like, cult classic anthem kind of movie. Rosie O'Donnell is in it, which... Wow. That relates to my rating. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Because I was like, fun fact, Rosie O'Donnell plays herself in this movie. But she used great. to be a big deal, Rosie O'Donnell. She was, especially remember, at the time. Remember her was... throwing those, uh, on her talk show, throwing those yeah. little yeah. fuzzy, fuzzy balls of people? So, that's my movie. My rating is 8.5 Rosie O'Donnells out of 10 vagina scars. Nice. I stand very strongly by that rating. Christina goes. Christina, what's your movie? So I was so fucking terrified that you were going to say my movie because I was so excited when I realized what my movie adaptation would be. And I want to note this right fucking now. I will fight anyone who disagrees with me that this is one of the greatest movies ever. It is such a joyous event that you cannot be unhappy when you're watching it. Like, it would cure diseases. That is how fun and fantastic this movie is. It's based off of a musical, like a play musical. And I went to go see it one day being like, oh, I love the movie and the the musical's supposed to be even better. And then I went and I was like, this is trash. This is garbage in comparison. How dare people say that this is better. So my movie is the 2008 classic. Oh God, was this Chicago? No, Chicago is also great, but no. it did not come out in 2008. Yes, it is. <laughs> what do you mean, no? Chicago is also you know great. What? To be fair, I hate musicals. <laughs> yeah, so why the fuck are you talking? Put yourself back there. Chica- <laughs> Chicago's good. Don't listen to her. From someone who actually likes musicals. If you like music and dance, you would like Chicago. Yeah. Also, there's give fucking me, lady murder. Give everywhere. me a dance number about murder. I'm there. Exactly. He had it coming. The soap on He had tango. it coming. I don't even he had that. it coming. They all killed their spouses. Yeah, and then they in brilliant how, ways. Yeah, yeah. should be up your jail. alley. But they were innocent. That was fucking great. Anyway, continue. This Not bitch. guilty. <laughs> Good. The 2008 classic, Mamma Mia. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> Listen, I wanted before 
anything else. I mean, there is going to be a sequel coming out next year, and I is. wish I could express how happy I am about this. And anybody, if one more person comes up to me and is like, why would they make a sequel to that movie? Nobody watched that movie. Excuse you, in 2008, in December, this was the UK's highest grossing movie oh my ever. It beat out Titanic. That's what this movie is. Whoa. That's how good this movie is, because you know what? Why the was Titanic in theaters in 2008? then? Did it cut, did it have a resurgence, Titanic? No, no. It's saying that beforehand oh. the highest grossing movie had been Titanic, and then in December two thousand eight, Mamma Mia came up there with this A star class. Wait, cast. did Meryl, St- Meryl Streep agree to be in the second movie? Yes, they're all going to be in the second movie. Do you want to know why? I have so much to talk about this with this movie. So first of all, the cast fucking loved it. If you've ever been, to, if you've ever watched any um, Graham Norton, he I think it's Graham Norton. He has a question sometimes that he asks his guests of like when you die and you go to heaven what do you want god to say to you like what is the first thing you want him to say and like some people have like really like serious answers like there was one actor one time that was like oh you can come in too because the actor had been like discriminated against a lot against his life (laughs) colin firth colin firth gets asked this question by piers morgan and he goes piers morgan sorry not piers morgan that's he's awful graham norton thank you So Colin Firth gets asked this question by Graham Norton, and he looks him dead ass in the eye and says, you know, I quite liked Mamma Mia. <laughs> and I was like, I want God to say that to me too, bitch. It is so great. They had such a legitimately enjoyable time on set. You can feel it when you're watching the movie. Did you fucking know that Pierce Brosnan didn't even know what movie he signed up for? Which shouldn't what? be a surprise. He sing. That shouldn't be a surprise because if you watch the movie, you'll notice he does not sing. He talks at you. <laughs> he just talks at you oh to God. music in the background. <laughs> Amazing. And it's it's just so great. So they had such a good time. Pierce, Mor- Pierce Brosnan found out that they like they asked him if he wanted to be in this movie and the only thing he knew was that Meryl Streep was going to be in it. So he said, yes, I'll do it. Oh my God, because really? Because Meryl Streep is the fucking greatest. She could be in anything and she could make it amazing. Fucking, except for maybe the Iron Lady because who wanted a movie about Margaret Thatcher? I could see where you were going already. Fucking, the rest of the cast is amazing. I'll go through very, very quickly the plot of Mamma Mia. It's the story of a young girl who lives in a small hotel slash inn in Greece that her mother runs. Um, And her mother is a single mother and she doesn't know who her father is and she's about to get married to this guy. And she decides that in order to get married, she needs to have her, like, biological father there to walk her down the aisle. And it's all very ridiculous. And it's all very, like, the patriarchy. But usually by the, by the end of the mu- movie and by the end of the musical, it's smashed to hell. Because she recognizes this is a ridiculous concept. But she, for whatever reason, is feeling lost and really wants to meet her biological father. So through stealing her mother's diary, she finds out that there are three possible guys that could be her dad. She sends an invite out to all three of them to come to, you know, see the inn for for the daughter's wedding. She pretends that it's the mother that sent out the invites because she wants to invite them over and that they can they can reconnect. And the three guys don't know about each other and they don't know that um, Amanda Seyfried is her daughter because she doesn't want them to make the connection that one of them is her dad. And they come to the island and then the whole thing is a very like sitcom-y style plot of trying to keep people away from each other. And <laughs> there's music. The music is, if you don't know because you've been living under a rock, the music is all ABBA. 
Which is a great time. It's the best part. The soundtrack, even with Pierce Brosnan's fucking talk singing, the soundtrack (laughs) is still amazing. If you want two minutes of pure joy, look up on YouTube, him and Meryl Streep doing SOS. And just and just think about how much they loved it so much that if you ask any of them what was their favorite movie ever to make, they all say Mamma Mia. I mean, that makes this Prove it. a thousand times more they, Like, you can look it up. They all say that. The ending credits is them all in old disco shiny outfits singing Waterloo. Colin first character ends up with this, like, small twink. It's so funny. It's so good. (laughs) Amazing. The important takeaway is that the musical version of this, the stage play, is supposed to be great. But if you go and watch it, it's so much more basic. The Mm. characters are nowhere near as good as they are because, to be fair to the actors, none of them are Meryl Streep or Christine Baranski or fucking Pierce Brosnan. Like, they could never live up to, I think, the hype of this movie for me. I will be there opening fucking night whatever the midnight <laughs> screening version will be 7 30 p.m the day before i don't i will go alone if i have to and the whole time i'll just be sitting there singing waterloo having a fucking good what songs time are, gonna, are they gonna have if they already had all the good ones in the first movie i have no idea i don't know how you do a sequel to this movie i don't know what the, i don't know what this maybe is gonna look that's like. why it took them so long they had to create new songs i think that nobody wanted that <laughs> But, but I they literally did. can only think that, like, Meryl Streep and Pierce Nelson and Colin Firth and Skarsgård, I don't know what his first name is, I think they all got together and were like, what if we pooled our own money to make a sequel of this so we yeah. could all hang out together? Oh like, I can only assume that's what they decided to do. Like, they were on vacation yes. in, where are they, Greece? I did see this movie in theaters. Just As you should have. It just was... to say. I think I saw my sister watching it on TV and I was like, mm, my mom's no. an ABBA fan. Then I'm sorry, that's not enough. You have to sit there and you have to watch it because it's joyous. And if you watch this movie and you do not feel joy, there's a problem. Why can't you enjoy something that is just so purely, wholeheartedly innocent and good? So what you're telling me is if I do not enjoy this movie, I need to see a therapist. I mean, maybe, but maybe that's good for you. Maybe you'll get some, like, help that you might need. Some growth as a human. There's no problem with seeing therapists. Maybe This is the new barometer for how to tell if you you need to see someone. Maybe things that are violent and scary really make me happy. That's fine. This can also make you happy. You don't have to pick. (laughs) Two things can make you happy. This movie, I'm going to sit down and keep fucking watching now because it's so... Do you own it? Of course I do. I probably probably notice. I'm like, huh, that's a weird thing for you to have. It's right underneath hairspray. And let me tell you, it's not yeah. a weird thing for me to have. I love musicals. It's probably Ugh, weirder for me to have Lean Even Miz. worse. <gasps> you lost me Hairspray on that one. Great. Hairspray is great. I hate Hairspray. You're a bitch. I know. I, you know what? Out of the podcast. Get out. Oh, you wow. failed that chemistry test. Yeah. The chemistry test. Musicals, musicals matter. Do you not like Step Up either? I love Step Up. So what the fuck? not a musical. Oh, God. <laughs> it's a dance movie. That's very Is that different. why you liked me? Because I said Step Up is the best? <laughs> yeah. I was like, <laughs> yes! And, and, and Step Up too. Take it to the streets. Yes! <laughs> to the streets. Listen. Because that not... white girl is super ghetto. To the streets. Oh, of course. Have you ever seen Save the Last Dance? The original yes. Step mm-hmm. Up? I watched that in theaters yeah. with a boy. But you... <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, but you can't get joy out of fucking Mamma Mia. Wow. <laughs> Dead. Listen, it was ghetto ballet dancing. Put it on. It's probably it's probably on Netflix. I don't know why you guys haven't seen Center Stage as well. Yeah, I don't, I've never even heard of it. No. Oh my god. It is a ballet dance movie with Zoe Saldana. Saldana, really? Yeah. It. 
It's so good. I mean, I'm interested. Oh, you talked about this at some point. Yeah, Mr. Cohen from the OC is the de- is the director. You did in talk it. about this. Not the dad. He's the director. So I guess that's my next movie. You bet it is. And then apparently, Mamma Mia. <laughs> you are watching Mamma Mia. It's it's so good. It's so happiness. The movie is all of the joy anyone's ever felt put into a single movie. I am recommending it. I am going to give this movie 10 single moms out of 10 potential birth fathers. Oh, that is a full. That is a full. Yes, because even though there are problematic elements, the sheer, the sheer joy. The, the ending credits where they all get together in those stupid fucking outfits and sing Waterloo could make up for anything that happened bad in that movie. <laughs> because, how, like, that is the fucking life. Just get together with six of your buddies, put on some shiny lycra, get some bell bottoms, get those really crazy sleeves, and just do some karaoke to Waterloo, guys. Is that Live a costume your best next life. year? Halloween costume. Yes. Done. Guess it is. In. We're talking about TV show stuff. I feel like mine's already controversially bad. Because oh. <laughs> you already... Made fun of it. Did oh, I, did I make fun of it? You said something earlier that made me. Th- oh, it's gonna be. I know what it's gonna be. What do you think it's gonna be? Is it also a musical? Excuse me. Don't listen to her. It's not. Uh, it's a Game of Thrones, Steph. Yeah, it is. Um. <laughs> it's Game of Thrones. <laughs> if you were listening for contextual cues, there, you would have figured it out as well. Did you catch what I was gonna say? No. Uh, pos- <laughs> the audience might not have either because I might have to cut out that earlier thing, but I'll try to leave it in just for this. Uh. Okay, so I know this is a basic choice. Everyone and their sister watches Game of Thrones. Except for Natasha. (laughs) Who still watched the first season so she can calm down like she's special. Oh, I see. Yeah. People (laughs) who don't watch Game of Thrones like to be even more smug about it than people who do. I'm going to take my avocado to go. (laughs) (laughs) Hope you enjoy that pit. Where's, where's this been coming from? This is what I'm looking for. Give me this. That was your cue to start Steph, tell us about Game of Thrones. I mean, if you've been living under a literal rock or you want to be cool like Natasha. I'm uh, very cool. I I'm so Liar. cool, I say Trey cool. <laughs> I'm glad Everybody you find that funny. just stopped listening. <laughs> Every single person collectively looked at their app and went, nope. They unsubscribed because of that comment. Yeah, well, they're not Trey cool. No one's trickle. Do I, I would like listeners, please. Can you calm down? You know what? You calm down. Okay, listen. Focus on me right now. Game of Thrones. The hype is real. I will stand behind <laughs> that comment. This is the only show that I have not given up on after five seasons. I don't think anybody's arguing the hype isn't real. I'm, I'm looking at you. I'm fighting with you on this. I'm nobody else. I'm you have argue. argued that it isn't real, though. I have friends that don't watch the show. I and argue I, the hype. The hype is there. But it's not good. Oh, she's being pedantic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, I don't need you to like it. I just need you to give it a fair chance. Well, if Game of Thrones fans didn't get so defensive about their show, maybe I wouldn't be arguing with them all yeah, the time. That's true of literally every but show. Like, like we get it, you watch Rick and Morty. Calm down. I mean, season one, that's the only season you watch? That's like the weakest season out of all of them. That's incorrect. Season one is the best season. I think it's the weakest one. Sean Bean, man. Sean Bond, as I call him. That and the most Bean. dramatic season one ending. Yeah. yeah and then Can... I was done. I was like, gotta, gotta kick it with Sean. No, no, no. I'm actually surprised. I find it odd that you stopped at the end of season one because it's the best season. Like, that's not a great time to be like, I'm out. Season four? Fine. Do you want to know, honestly, what happened? I would like to know before we get to that point why Steph picked this. Okay. 
That's all. Steph, back us. back to me. Tell us what you love about this show. I mean, what's in there not to love? And why it's better than the book. Yeah, why is it better? The th- than okay, the book? thing, the reason I didn't like the books is because I can't read them. They're so long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The font is literally the size <laughs> minuscule. Listen, that's and how I, you get an e-reader. <laughs> but I don't like reading big books on e-readers because it's too many pages. I don't like it. I like when I'm reading a big book, even if it's minuscule font, it has to be in a literal physical form. So the books are boring and there's too much going on and you're hard to picture everything. But like the TV, you got a nice visual. You can follow it easier. And for the story-wise, Miss Furrowed Brow, what's not to love? <laughs> Complicated families, <laughs> dynasties, supernatural beings, and most importantly, beautiful cloaks that blow in the wind. That, that are described for 11 pages. That occurs in the books too. Yeah, but it's better in visual form because I can picture myself in it. Easierly. This is what easierly. Easy- <laughs> easierly. easierly. Keep that easy. <laughs> Listen, let me tell you what Miss Furrowed Brow previously said why she wasn't a big fan of even the books. Because you read all of them. How can you not be a fan? I like the books. The Something TV show is the exact same. About it being it's like not. overhyped <laughs> and all that. Oh my god, overhyped and all that kind of stuff. Was that? Oh, you've. It's too similar to other things that you've read before. Like every single thing in the book. Like oh, the political intrigue. I can read that somewhere else. Oh, this I can read that somewhere else. That's true. And I'd like to argue that that is true of literally every single book. It depends. Because when you get onto it, you're like, oh, they have magic? I can read that in in other fantasy books. But I'm not talking about general things. I'm talking about very specific things. Like, he takes directly from history. And I know other authors do that, but they don't literally lift the War of Roses directly from the pages of a history book and put it in Game of Thrones. Oh, see, if it's history, I don't mind. If, if it's ripping off someone else, It yeah, bothers me history? when people pretend that it's more... That it's more than what it is. And I hate that. Because it's not more than what it is. It's What do you mean more than what it is? It's literally taking history and making a fantasy book based on that. But it's not adding anything interesting. Maybe there's a couple dragons. No, I think that one thing that does really well, even though I have been a firm believer that there are other books that do it better that aren't being appreciated... I think that it does the political intrigue, social interactions really well that have to be made up because there aren't diaries of people left around. I think he got a lot of practice over many years and he's gotten better at it for sure. Well, because he's taken 40 years to read it. Yes, <laughs> but it didn't start off that good. And like, arguably the first book was interesting, but characters were not fleshed out at first. And this is one of the reasons why I do prefer the books is because the characters have more personality in the books. Like, Cersei has more going on in her head. There's more... I mean, yeah. Yeah. But you get like, that for anything. Yeah, no, for anything. But this and one... And, like, arguably characters should be more fleshed out by the time you get to the end. Yeah, but, like, in the TV show, a lot of the female characters are flat to me. They aren't That's real. the TV show not being... Oh. I'm gonna like yeah. go back to your thing. No, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not TV saying show. the TV show no. is better. No, no, no. I know, but this is this is this is one of my arguments for why I don't want to watch the TV show. And another reason is that I don't find enough people of color in there, and that is one of the reasons why I didn't like the books I as much as I could have another mm-hmm. fantasy series. But that is a fault of the fantasy fantasy genre in general, which yeah. I do recognize. But I argue about that for almost every fantasy book anyway. So I'm not saying it's better or worse. <laughs> I'm just saying it's the same. It's not like it's been hyped up to be more 
than what other things are when it's not. I think that's part of the accessibility, though. It is one of the least accessible fantasy books, series. Books, the movie, the, t- the television, the TV show, shows, yes, very accessible I will agree to people who don't read fantasy. No, I totally agree with that. And I just want to say, I don't think it's the best thing. It doesn't do things very well. But I'm just saying, <laughs> it's the only TV show based on a book that I've been like, oh, I'm in. I'm still into yeah, you no, seven seasons it. later. Because it's like beautiful. It's, it's addictive. Close. They are very smart about how they hook people in. And I think they, like, in the earlier seasons, not so much the last one, the story arcs are plotted out well, and it's executed well, which mm-hmm. I think you don't see a lot in TV shows. This is my feelings. The beginning is so much more like the books, and I hate mm-hmm. to say, I firmly believe a television show, a movie, should not be exactly like the book. That's yeah. physically impossible. No, I agree. It would be garbage. But The first the season people... was a good, like, yeah. Up- perfect i would say representation of the book like it, like but like it improved on the book exactly was the yeah. good part of it. oh yeah and it super did like it made it really interesting it made it really good but i feel very strongly the second they started getting away from what george r, r. martin did right because whether you think it's amazing or whether you don't think it's that great it's thoughtful his writing the things that are mentioned have an ending they're put there for a reason which is Plots why I think the latest that. season is It's so a fucking bad mess. Because they don't know what's happening. They don't know how to do anything. The two dudes that make the show shouldn't have been allowed to make the show. They definitely shouldn't be allowed to make that weird confederate show they're going to yes. make. Yes. Speaking oh, of yeah. which, if they... Also, if that fucking show... I don't think it... I, I if that someone has been greenlighted, like confederate... The anger I felt within my being when I heard about that show, I was like, did they think this would be Okay. They do, though, but they obviously do from the same way that this is my biggest issue with the Game of Thrones show, the same way they treat brown people and women in that yeah. show. I'm not surprised at all that they thought making a show called The Confederate was smart. This is still happening, by the way. I'd like to tell you, because I looked up the Confederate series, this is one of the headlines I just got from Variety. Game of Thrones creators defend new slavery drama, Confederate, colon, this is a quote <laughs> from them, this is scary for all of us. Okay. Then don't make it, bitch. Like this is this is what kills me because of the way that they I can't yep, yep. center there's, yourself. There's so much anger because like all I know is that all they're gonna do is exploit Black history. That's yeah. all that's gonna okay, happen. I wonder what actors, probably low C D list stars, are gonna yeah like people. Probably, they're gonna find no. No, I don't, I'm sorry. Do you Hollywood think- is terrible. Someone <laughs> big is gonna sign up for this movie. It's fucking the worst. How could they? However, I do agree. I actually love the show, and I will probably hold on because I want to find out, even if it's not the ending originally planned, I want to find out how this is going to end. I'm so invested in who's going to be the final living person. Should I? Oh, I should probably say what the story is about. Oh, right. Uh, So Game of Thrones, if you don't know, is a medieval fantasy. We did. We ever talk about this? We did it! I know. That's why I'm throwing it in there. We are. We are. You guys took the reins, and I was like, We are 16 minutes into this conversation. So Game of Thrones is a medieval fantasy epic taking place in Westeros and Essos, and it centers around four families, the Starks, the Lannisters, the Targaryens, and the Baratheons, RIP, as they fight to be the true lure of the Seven Kingdoms. I just want to say, my rating is only for season one. That's the only thing, that's oh. the only book I read, and that's the only fair comparison I can give. So it's sure. season one, okay. and I'm giving it seven direwolves out of ten Daenerys Dracaris. Ooh. And I'm out. Oh, oh, oh. I mean, it was a good conversation piece. Yes, it's it basic, was. but you know what? At the end of the day, there's a reason that it is captured so many people's attention. Yeah. 
because of the family stories. It's, it's not about the it's not about the history. It's about the fucking Stark family and will they ever reunite again? Can Arya and John just if, fucking no. hug or something? God, this is my worst nightmare. They're fucking gonna be two centimeters from each other and someone's gonna die. And it's probably going to be Arya, and they're never going to get to talk ever again, and I am already no, devastated. John needs to die. He Someone's going to die. John needs to be the one to die. I can't. He can't be the one to live and take the throne. I will But it not would accept. be so those two creators to just kill off the woman, wouldn't it? To Arya, yeah. I mean, she's the best. But she's actually this... There's a very elaborate conversation about this, but she's actually the safest because she's the most male-like. Hmm. The, even the book has this problem with women. Sansa's gonna exists. rule the the king. Of, she's gonna be the queen of the north, and Arya's gonna be the hand of the queen. Sansa and Arya forever. Yeah. Okay. Nat, what's your TV show? My TV show is The Magicians. So oh. yeah, by what's the book? Tess Grossman. Tess no love. Oh, Love Grossman. Love Grossman. So, have you guys ever read the books? No. no. Okay. Well, I'll go through the summary of the TV show. It's essentially the same as the books. But it's about this uh, guy named Quentin who is depressed, but he's an annoying man. So right off the bat in the books anyway, you're like, fuck this dude. I don't want to read about this dude. But he enrolls uh, while he's taking a entry exam for Princeton. And during the entry exam, he is like, this is a never ending test. Why are people leaving so quickly? What's happening? He can't figure out how to end this test. And he finds out it's not quite the test that he thought he was going in for. So it's actually not for Princeton. It's for Brakebills University, which is a magical school. So he finds out that this magical world that he thought existed from his book, his favorite series, book series, I think it's called Fillory and Furthermore. Yeah. What? Garbage name. Sounds really like cool. Actually, it's based on Narnia. <laughs> so okay. he finds out that magical stuff from there actually does exist and he gets enrolled into break bills and he ends up going to school there and he finds out that magic is also not what he thought it was like he has to practice magic for like fucking days on it. and like it's like realistic like there's like dozens of spells to do the same thing he's got to practice it for days days weeks months even oh so long, so like long. He has to learn like lost languages and all of that. The reason I liked the TV show more is because it really cleans up everything that the author wrote. And the reason I say this is because when Lev Grossman wrote the first book, he was going through a severe depression. And so during that time, he wrote Quentin very much like a depressed person might word vomit. And so like the editing is good, but it's like, you really fucking hate Quentin. You're like, oh my God, stop. It's just too much, too much. Um, but in the story, they actually give Quentin like a clinical diagnosis of depression and they really explain things more clearly. And the author's mindset is almost in Quentin's mindset. And so the whole story is basically he goes to school and he finds out that a lot of students have been disappearing and it's because they're fighting in this war. And there's this thing called the Beast. And the Beast is related to the film. <laughs> but the Beast is like this creepy guy. He like shows up and he has like bugs for a face and yeah. he like it consumes a child or consumes like a person or a student or whatever but anyway like all these hijinks ensue and there's like per episode there's like different little things that they have to encounter and figure out and obviously magic creates problems but yeah it's really good if you really like harry potter you will like this it's very adult and the show does go a bit more adult than the books do like it raises their age a bit and it's got great actors like there's the guy that plays penny is this like solemn Indian dude that is a yogi as well. He's very weird. 
Um, and he's great. And then there's Elliot, who's played this by this fantastic, beautiful man. Maybe. Beautiful. So Is funny. He a basic white man because... Oh, no. As we know about your type. Wow. I mean, he really is my type. But yeah, he's great as well. Yeah. And then they also get what I also liked about the show is that they get into details about his best friend, Julia, who he was in love with. Anyway, so his best friend, Julia, uh, actually doesn't get accepted to break bills, but she finds out about break bills. And so she tries to get into magic another way. So she joins Hedge Witches and it actually has her story in the series as well, which it does not do that in the books as much, which is really annoying because all you're seeing is this one guy's perspective and you're like, I don't want to follow this one white guy around the whole time. I want to see this girl. So you get that in the show too, which is why the TV shows are sometimes better because they do flesh out a lot of the characters. I've heard before um, several times the magician's television show is much better than the books. Oh yeah, for is it sure. Is still on the air? Yeah, it is. On I think it's air. on season four. Season, yeah, season four is coming on out list. soon. Yeah, it's definitely highly recommended. It's short too. It's like maybe 12 episodes per season. Is it on Netflix? No. Ugh. So my rating for this TV show is eight creepy beasts out of 10 original copies of Fillory and Further. That's pretty high. 80%. Yeah, it is. I really love this show. You give that, what was it, like a B? Like a B? That's not bad, a B. A B plus. B plus what network is this Mediaversity styles. Anyway, what is your TV show, oh, Christina? So I initially asked if we could do this topic, specifically to talk about the TV show, and then earlier Steph was like, oh, are you going to do Shadowhunters? And I got so mad at myself that it wasn't <laughs> Shadowhunters, because in maybe four podcasts out of the six we've recorded, I've brought up Shadowhunters at yep. some point, particularly because as an adaptation, it's fucking bad. Like, the, movie, oh. the show is so good. I mean, the movie is crap. The books are worse. City of Bones could also be a book, movie, and TV show. Exactly. <laughs> as yeah. well. It could. Pride and Prejudice this thing. Talk about all three levels. Hit in every level. Maybe that's an episode we should do one time where we each pick one universe. Ooh. Because then I can talk about Shadowhunters and how Cassandra Clare hates the show and how I take great love She in hates the show? We've talked about this. Yeah, she does. We'll bring it up in another episode. Okay. But I love it because I love the show and I don't like her. So what's your actual pick okay, then? Okay, so my actual pick, I picked this. Like I said, I, I specifically wanted to do the topic so I could talk about this show. And I'm going to bring it back a little bit, okay? Because technically this is an adaptation. It's a universe that I've had lots of adaptations. So I think it's important to talk about this. So a couple years ago, there was a fucking show, UK British show that came out, okay? That only had fucking three episodes every two years. Oh. And it was called Sherlock. And the first season of Sherlock, despite my angry Benedict Cumberbatch feels, is good. It is okay? fucking amazing. It is really good. Everything after that, eh. It's also, even in the first season, vaguely racist. That's something that needs to be put out there. Oh, yeah. So it re, like, a new love of Sherlock sort of rebuilt after that because, like, the Robert Downey Jr. movies had kind of sort of already died. And it was announced that there was going to be a U.S. version of Sherlock. And I was aggressively (laughs) against this because I don't think you need to make American versions of British television shows. Mm -hmm. We all speak English. We can all understand the concepts. It's not like there's a subtitle concern. We can figure it out. And at this point, only the first season had been released, and the first season was really good. So I really didn't understand why American television felt the need to all of a sudden release an American version of Sherlock. Okay? It was bullshit. And I rallied against it for so long. For so long, I rallied against it. And yet you regret it. I don't... I wouldn't say I regret it. It's a part of my life. I don't regret my choices. (laughs) Because my hatred of this and my knowledge that at that point I was still, while anti-Cumberbatch, I was still pro the Sherlock show. 
I was like, I'm not going to like the show. I'm going to think, but I'm going to want to talk about not liking it. So I'm going to put the time and I'm going to put the effort in and I'm going to watch this show. You did the facts so to I back can... up your hatred. Exactly, <laughs> because you should know what you're complaining about. And I had already decided to kind of do this when they announced the show was going to be called Elementary and Johnny Lee Miller was going to be playing Sherlock, but more importantly, Lucy Liu was going to be Watson. And they told me that and I was like, oh... Oh, oh, Lucy Liu's going to be Watson, huh? That's a thing you're doing? And I was suddenly so excited. But still, I had Forgot been every actively, day, all the hate. I had been actively for quite some time being like, you don't need to make this. And then I tried to justify it in a different way. Oh, the only reason that they're making Watson a girl, even though I'm happy they're making her a woman of color, is so that it can be a Sherlock Watson romance. Because nobody has the balls to just be like, they're gay. Arthur Conan Doyle at this point was more willing to be like, they were in love than anyone else is. So I figured, oh, the only reason that they're making Watson a woman is that there would be a romance. But I was still going to watch it so I could complain about it. And then it came out and I started watching it. And let me say something. Episodes one through four, not even that good. But at some point, that show gets real good, guys. It, it gets takes four episodes good. to get good. It does. Oh, don't get me wrong. That type passed my TV when threshold When I limit. tell people to watch it, I'm like, honestly, you barely even need to watch the first episode. Go to the middle of the first season. Because it's very, it's still American TV. It's very episodic. It's very like, oh, we're just solving a crime base. Mm -hmm. So you can skip huge portions of it. And you're not going to miss major things. But this is one thing. Where Sherlock does plot really well, and I find characterization is lacking, to be Mm -hmm. honest. Elementary is the exact opposite. The characterization of Sherlock and Watson and Moriarty and Irene Adler are so good. So good. So much better than the British version of Sherlock. To this point, I'm going to say this. It's better than your stupid fucking three hours once in a blue moon when Mercury is in retrograde <laughs> and, and Moffat feels like making a show and this particular woman was born in a leap year so we can make it this year. Like when that show comes out, this is better than that show. This is better than that version of Sherlock. It is better. The Their Sherlock is so good. So obviously, like many good adaptations do, he has a drug addiction. But elementary Sherlock doesn't shy away from it. They don't try to pretend that he's simply high functioning, so it's acceptable that he has a drug addiction or he needs to have a drug addiction to solve crimes, which is something that things do that I fucking hate. Yeah. Elementary starts with him coming out of rehab and him acting like he didn't need it. Acting like he uh, he's decided to be sober and he will be and that's all it takes. And Lucy Liu is actually his sober companion who used to be a surgeon. And I remember being annoyed by that at first too. Back when I was annoyed by everything with the show, I'm like, oh, she's not a doctor anymore? What is this bullshit? She can't be a doctor because suddenly she's a woman? She pulled an Izzy Stevens. <laughs> so she's his sober companion. And a lot of the first, actually a lot of all the seasons, but a lot of the first seasons specifically, is spent talking about how difficult it is to go from being a drug addict to being sober. And how being an addict doesn't make him better at his job. It doesn't clear his mind. He acknowledges that he's an addict. He's very open about the fact that like he's never going to stop being an addict. And once he embraces how Lucy Luke can help him, um, through his, he's still the arrogant Sherlock. So he's still like, he's like, mm, well, while you're doing this, the reason you're actually hanging out with me is because I'm going to teach you how to be a detective and not because I need you to stay sober. You're just here to, to make my father feel better and make sure he keeps paying for my house. And Sherlock is a little bitch, but everyone's aware that he's a little bitch, but they don't suffer his bitchiness. Right. They call him out when necessary and they don't treat him like he's some magical being. 
Another thing that makes it a really strong adaptation is that they don't make everyone around Sherlock dumber to make him seem smarter. He is legitimately incredibly intelligent and everyone, and to a certain extent, not completely, but even a little bit, including him, understands that we just get to places faster than we would have otherwise. Mm -hmm. And there's one particular character who I absolutely love, and it was one of the people of color characters that they introduced, um, and he is a detective on the team, and his name is Bell, Detective Bell. And he does something where he finds out that you know, someone who was supposed to be, like, hit up in bed was actually the murderer, and he finds out how they committed the crime by proving that her hair was, like, a wig or something like that. Yeah. So he's ultimately the person, like, Sherlock did not solve this crime. He could not figure it out. It was Belle that figured out who the actual murderer was. And afterwards, him and Sherlock are talking, and Sherlock's sort of like, oh, like, did you, did you learn that? Because... Am I, like, a good influence on you? That was an excellent solve. Has being around me made you a better detective? And Belle's answer is the saltiest thing, and I love it so much. He's like, oh, yeah, man, no, before you got here, we hadn't solved a case in years. We were thinking of just packing it all up and leaving. But then, man, thank God you showed up in the picture. It shows how all the detectives. <laughs> and it's so dumb, but it is the embodiment of why I loved it as a show, because he's allowed to be smart and to be intelligent without everyone suddenly becoming an idiot. Yeah. And I don't want to spoil this for anybody, but their version of Moriarty, even though I love the Sherlock version of Moriarty, is the best one that's ever been made. Really? Yeah. Because I love Sherlock Moriarty. Yeah, you're going to like this one way better. Okay. I'm definitely going to watch it because it's been on my list. One of my biggest arguments about Sherlock is that as the seasons have gone on, or two seasons have gone on. It's like four seasons. It's ridiculous. Yeah. As they've gone on, have you noticed that they've made everybody else stupider? Yeah. That's what I don't like. But I felt that way even from the beginning. Like the police guy, like he was actually decent in the first season. Yep. They made him a little bit dumber than Sherlock, but he wasn't, like, crazy stupid. But yeah. now he, like, comes to Sherlock and is like, I don't know what to do. Exactly. No, it's awful. And that's one thing that Elmer doesn't do. It's a bit much. It's 22 episode seasons. They're going into, like, wow. their fifth or sixth season right now. Wow. It's a lot. Don't get me wrong. And that's why I say, you know what? You want to skip the first couple episodes? Do you. Live your life. You should not feel obligated to go sit through something Fuck that's it, not going to be starting from the beginning. But that's how also I felt when I started watching it and, like, fell in love with it. I was like, oh, maybe I should go back and watch a couple. And, like, my biggest thing for this is, like, Lucy Liu. Like, I want to watch so, that. You know what? That's ultimately what it is. Like, she makes everything she's in better. She's an excellent yeah. actress. She's a great Watson. Again, suffers no fools. She, at a certain point, and even Sherlock understands this, she's better than him. He is technically more intelligent because of the way that he holds information. But when it comes down to it, she's better than him. And it took making Watson a fucking woman of color for it to finally be clear that she's a superior detective. So do they do it? No, there's no romance. I'm glad. Oh, that's There's good. no romance. He has... So obviously Irene Adler is still a character. That is one thing that I will say around the beginning, I was a little not in love with their characterization of Irene. Quite frankly, I don't think that anyone's ever made a version of Irene that I love. Yeah. Um, people seem to really struggle with it. Um, so definitely when she's introduced, I was like, I could have lived with this being better. But they have Lucy Liu who carries a lot of the weight. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Hudson is a transgender woman who what? needs, first of all, she needs to be in it way more. That's my one complaint. She's not in it very often. Damn. Um, and she's not technically the landlord because his, the landlord is his father. 
Um, but when she is in it, she's amazing. She's a muse. So her oh. job is basically to be like an artistic inspiration for rich guys Ooh. that support her lifestyle. I'm so into Mrs. H- Miss Hudson now. <laughs> yeah, no, she's so great. She's so great. It's really good. I really want people to watch it so I can talk about it because there's some excellent, like, the long arching storylines that they do are really good. They make a conscious effort to include people of color in regular big casting parts. Yeah. Um, and to include more women and... At one point, Sherlock has a sponsor in the later seasons um, who is, like, fantastic. The way they talk about addiction, yeah. the way they talk about important issues. And Sherlock, particularly because of his relationship with Irene, because in this universe, Sherlock is not the same Sherlock that's in right. other series. He he's is like the ultimate. Exactly. He's allowed to be weaker. He's allowed mm-hmm. to be human. So because of that, there's a lot of fucked up shit that happens in their relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And be- he understands things differently that way. And he is to victims of some of these crimes he is so respectful there's one scene where this one episode where this guy has been keeping women locked up for days like he's been raping them torturing them and keeping them locked up just basically in like essentially his house forever and they finally figure out where he thinks that he's keeping them and they go to do the big reveal and Sherlock specifically goes to the detectives and is like there is absolutely a woman in there the first thing that she sees should not be this guy's face you have to get him out of here yeah And, like, just that one minor little scene, I was like, yes! Because this Sherlock cares about people, and it makes him stronger. I'm a big, I'm a big, big seller of elementary. I want a lot of people to watch it. You know what's funny? I almost chose a Sherlock adaptation for my book, but I didn't. I was a little bit debating just doing Sherlock across the board, because you can. Again, it's another one. That is another episode. I could have. I actually love the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock as well. It's not... I did too. doesn't have all the good things that this one does, but, uh, great. So my rating for this, just before we forget is eight Johnny Lee Miller shaved hideous heads out of 10 Lucy Liu's amazing outfits because that is another part of this. Lucy Liu, her outfits are goals. That's what gets me in. Look up. Get me in a good coat. You're going to watch this. Look it up. Her, she's always wearing tights and boots and the boots are always amazing. She's got these fantastic coats because it's somehow always following the show. She looks good in anything. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. But they really double down on her looking amazing in this. And that's elementary, and I hope I've convinced even even if no one else, even just you two, to watch it. I'm gonna watch it really so that we can talk about Moriarty because I have so many feelings. I can't wait to watch it. I'm gonna go home tonight. I'll watch add it. it to my list. I'm probably gonna rewatch it before the next season comes out. Okay, well, I guess we're done. Do you want to add the yeah. tidbit that in Thor, uh, when uh, hideous Benedict Cumberbatch oh, shows yes. on the screen? So can we talk about this for a quick second? I recently, and at this point, all of us Side recently. Side note. To, to age this a little bit, we all recently saw Ragnarok because it came out about a week a week ago. And at one fucking point, okay, there's a moment where a card is dropped on the ground and it says 771 Bleecker Street and the fucking Sherlock music from the Robert Downey Jr. movie starts playing in the background and in the theater, yep. my ass groaned out loud and someone shushed me. I'm pretty sure I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. And yep. my friend turned over and was like, what? And I was it's like, Sherlock, fucking bitch. Sherlock is here. And then fucking Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> strolls in and his Doctor Strange that I've now seen a visual representation of. He doesn't look that bad. I'm going to say that. Well, this was my one particular comment. I think it's interesting that when technically he's supposed to look like kind of otherworldly than his regular characters, he somehow looks more human than he does in everything else he's You know in. what it is? It's the Taika effect. That's what I like to say. He makes people 
people more human, he makes them real. I can see that. I also just assume that they put um, clothing pins on the back of his neck to pull all of his extra skin back. Because his face was tight in that, and it's not tight in real life. No, his face is pretty tight. His eyes <laughs> they didn't... They all do Botox. His eyes didn't even look that far apart, I swear to God. He should walk around with that weird little mustache all the time. Maybe his, they just put a green screen all over and his it was face, a different and, then they, and then they just... <laughs> CGI it. Cumberbatch isn't really Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> He's everyone. I was actually a circus. I would suddenly <laughs> like Benedict Cumberbatch so much more. I'd be like, oh, it's because you're a CGI face, not a real face. <laughs> All Listen, right, guys. It almost ruined the most amazing movie ever made. <laughs> it was so good. When that music comes on, <laughs> I'm like, that's my theme for the rest of the You know it immediately. You know it. You're saying, you're like, yes. Yep. Tell us what you think about our picks. Yes. What are your favorite adaptations? Because I love them, so I want to watch more. Yeah. Me too. Uh, um, leave us a comment at the Tumblr. It's feeling neglected. Yeah. Tumblr is neglected. Oh, fun fact. So, like, we tell people to, like, leave comments and rates, reviews, and stuff like that. You can't do that on all the apps. So, we're asking, like, depending on which app you have, do whatever thing you can on what you're watching, listening on. Talk to us. We're lonely. Everyone and their sister at gmail.com. Eats cast on Twitter. All social media. It's all right, fine. guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Happy binging. Happy <laughs> binging. I want that. <laughs> oh my god, we can add that in. <laughs> yeah. Music credit goes to artist Pluribel for the song Wallflower and Jazzhar for the song Please Listen Carefully.